and welcome to Life Family Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you. I feel, John, strangely, strangely at ease and settled and calm because I've been sitting in this chair not for 30 seconds, but for an hour. I know. It's almost like we pre-recorded a different radio show that we're not going to talk about. No. Uh right before this one anyway it's no the main thing is that i'm i'm normally not used to getting to the studio like before 8 a.m oh that's what we're saying that's what i'm saying (laughs) yes you're you're actually here on time Uh, that's pretty impressive it's odd i'm i feel oddly discombobulated so uh oddly not discombobulated yeah Yeah. i i feel combobulated (laughs) (laughs) oddly combobulated yeah Um, it's like what it's like it's like uncouth. You know, are there people who are just couth? No, that's my new. That's my new band name. It's oddly combobulated. Oddly so, combobulated. Yeah. There you go. That, that'll. That sounds like a a real success. <laughs> now uh, all you need is some musical talent. I, hey. I was going to say I got to figure out what genre this band would be, but um, uh, one of those spoken word things. Yeah. Like William Shatner did an album like that where he had some rock and roll band, and then it was just William Shatner saying. Oh yeah. What do you think about the groove? <laughs> blah, I, blah, blah. In terms of uh, former Star Trek actors doing hilarious uh, turns at song, I'm sure that you have seen the infamous Leonard Nimoy video from the 1960s, where he sings a song all about Bilbo Baggins. Oh, I've heard about this. Oh my! At I don't know point. that I've ever watched it, but boy, it sounds really terrible. Oh man, you have got to see it. I think uh, I think the Girardi gals would uh, really enjoy it. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll I'll make a note of that. You should, yeah. I, I um, if ever uh, Julia and I are graced with uh, babysitting them, uh, they can play with Hudson, and then before they leave, I'll make sure to plant the earworm of this song so that they can sing Sounds it when good. they get home. Sounds good. Sounds good. They're always down for more Bilbo Baggins. It's pre- it's pretty. That's uh, it's incredibly cheesy, but pretty hilarious as well. Okay. So all right, okay, folks, we got so a radio show to do. That that voice that you hear on the other microphone is John Girardi. From Right to Life of Central California. Hey, hey, hey. Good to be there with you. John, um, you guys had a big weekend at Right to Life. Just a quick bit of local housekeeping here for the Fresno radio market. Yeah, we had the Heart of California Walk for Life. As my voice starts sounding terrible, I'm not going to cough. The Heart of California Walk for Life over in Madera, which was a lovely little jaunt through the streets of Madera. And a nice little event at a park. I learned I was the keynote speaker roughly 15 minutes before my speech, but I still knocked it out of the park, I think. <laughs> I, I so, saw you, you speaking, go. and I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was a Right to Life event, that mm-hmm. you were addressing the crowd. It was a Right to Life event. I did not realize it was a John Girardi speaking event. <laughs> so, But it was fine. It's all right. This is why you get a radio show guy to, to do things, because I'm, I'm good at talking into a can. So anyway, it all went very well, and it was a very nice time. A good time was had by all. So Knights of Columbus were out there grilling meats. And which is sort of their natural state of existence. That's so. actually in the charter, right? Like, yes. So thanks to the Catholic Daughters of America and the Knights of Columbus and Esperanza uh, de Vida and all the people who helped make it a, a Doors of Hope, the, the Pregnancy Resource Center up in Madeira there. So a big thanks to all of them for helping make it a big success. It was a good time. And to St. Joachim's Parish. Yes. One of our favorite parishes in the entire Central California area. Really great people over there. Oh, yeah. So. Um, so that was good, John. I'm, I'm excited about that. Happy Mother's Day, a day late to my lovely wife, Julia, and to all of the other moms, and, and to my mom, of course. She won't be listening to this, but um, anyway. Yeah. The, uh, it was, Mother, there is no other, so treat her right. 
That was music video done oh, by yes. Mr. T. I, re- so. I vaguely remember that. That that was almost as good as the Bilbo Baggins one. Uh, it might even be better. We'll, we'll see. Treat we'll right. Treat your mother right. Actually, that, right. now that you're saying that, I am remembering. That is a pretty epic music video. See, yeah, folks, where else are you going to find random assortments of 1960s and 1980s pop culture videos? Than here on Life, Family, Liberty. All right. So, John, there Let's get is, into the news for the day. There is quite a bit to discuss. Um, last week... Uh, we were actually gone. There was a, uh, I was out of town and we did not end up recording a show. So we did not actually get to cover the infamous Brian Sims situation. Yes. Yes, we did not. So let's dig into it now. I think this is, I think this is vitally important for local people to understand. dumb man does dumb thing. Yep. Anyway. So this is in the case of Philadelphia, uh, a individual in West Philadelphia, where this I was man born was and born raised. and raised. That's and right. The playground was where he spent most of his days. He was not chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. And instead of doing that, he was harassing. He was. He thought there were a couple of old ladies, ladies. and and uh, little children who were up to no good. So he were, started making the trouble in the neighborhood. He got in one little video, and everyone got scared and said, "You should resign from the Pennsylvania legislature." Yes, and you're a horrible person, and this is and good. you're a total jerk. And if you are too young or too old to catch that fantastic Fresh Prince of Bel Air reference, then I pity you. High five for an excellent That's Fresh right. Prince of Bel Air rap right there about this local news story the 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 basic story is an elected state official went to a group of citizens possibly or quite probably some of whom were his constituents Mm -hmm. who were exercising their first amendment rights of peaceable assembly and of protest of speech Mm -hmm. of religion Pretty much like, I, I, I'm guessing the they didn't whole have... Gamut, the, that whole they, First Amendment yeah. was kind of covered right there. They, they didn't have a printing press right there in front of them, but yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, other exactly. than that, they pretty much had, were exercising at least three of the five First Amendment uh, protected freedoms. There you go. And he goes and not only starts berating them and shouting at them and in a really uncomfortable, awkward, long Twitter video just trying to shame them and say that they're horrible people. He then goes on and I think, I can't remember if it was the same video or if it was a second video. He asks his followers, he says, Hey, I've got a hundred dollars for any of my followers who can find out who these girls, teenage girls are, are children. If they can dox them, if they can get their contact information so that we can shame them. I've got $100 for you. For those who don't know the term dox. D-O-X-X. I don't know actually what it's like abbreviated for, but uh, basically what it means, it's this horrible, disgusting Twitter thing where you publicize on Twitter a bunch of a person's personal information about like, this is their home address. Uh, this is their phone number. This is their blah, 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 blah. With no specific stated intent but it's pretty clear that it's not like with an extremely peaceful intent uh it just seems to be a horrible nasty way of trying to intimidate people that you don't like on twitter uh so he was actually it's like one of the ugliest things about twitter as a platform is really the invention of doxing so he was literally going to offer a hundred bucks and again this man is an elected state representative he was going to offer a hundred bucks to anyone who could publicize on the internet 
the private personal information of these girls who are, again, children, again, girls, again, peacefully protesting outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic. Not uh, elected officials. Not elected officials, not even adults. Uh, with what stated intent? I don't know. Maybe so they can receive death threats via Twitter? I'm not exactly sure, or or to their home. I'm not exactly sure what the point of it is. It's cer- There's certainly nothing about it that's peaceful and, you know, calm. Certainly something that, I don't know, John, if, um, if another elected representative, you know, maybe one who originally came from New York or has a vacation home down in Florida and very large outsized personality you know current president of the united (laughs) states if the president of the united states had said about any elected official not not just a random individual but let's say an elected official like alexandria ocasio-cortez or uh ilhan omar or someone like that if he would have said this is ridiculous this you know this elected official is trying to obstruct my agenda you know here's their home phone number here's their information in fact way back when john i don't know if you remember this but during the uh during the 2015 primary campaign in a in a much less menacing and just kind of hilarious thing president trump did tweet out lindsey graham's personal cell phone number ah uh, which was, it ended up being very funny because Lindsey Graham at the time was uh, competing for the nomination to be president of the United States against Donald Trump. And he'd had mm-hmm. some very harsh words to say. And Donald Trump said, all right, fine. Here's here's his phone number, everybody. Have fun. <laughs> so Lindsey Graham in a very hilarious situation uh, did this great video where he goes and takes a golf club and like smashes his cell phone. <laughs> it was It was pretty funny. Okay, that's funny. If you have two politicians that are doing that to each other, and it's just a cell phone, okay, you know, whatever. That's that's funny. That's yeah. silly. But that's not what this was. We were talking about him essentially asking for the the personal, very confidential information of these individuals, of these yeah. these girls. And the because he didn't like their political viewpoints, right. basically. Right. And the the pushback that he got was swift. It was strong, so much so that he actually recorded a video from his office apologizing on behalf of Planned Parenthood. Sort of apologizing, though. Basically, I'm sorry that I got caught. Um, (laughs) Look, I am am an advocate for Planned Parenthood, but I realize in that moment where I was standing out there, I was not acting as an advocate. I was acting as a, you know, an angry, concerned citizen. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was barely, as you said, John, it was barely an apology, but they, they tried to kind of say, well, okay. Yeah. Now, John, apparently someone just told me that it has gotten so bad that he has, um, he has actually had to lock his Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Um, he is not allowing new people to see his Twitter account and he has hired a, He's hired a um, PR firm to help deal with all of the fallout that he's getting. Yes, so I'm I'm sure those meetings went great. Hey, is uh, is there a way I can improve my public image, but without apologizing in any way, shape, or form? Um, <laughs> to which they would probably say, "Uh, no, <laughs> you probably need to apologize if if you're going to try and get yourself out of this one." Uh, but I, it does not seem like a genuine apology. And again, it, it just highlights this bizarre double standard how a couple of kids from Kentucky sort of look sideways at some 
Native American man who, who's beating on a drum and it turns into a vendetta. It turns into, you know, this litigation against the entire pro-life movement. Does the pro-life movement have a race problem? Is this is this a huge national controversy? Meanwhile, an actual Democrat elected state official can try to dox a bunch of teenagers and everyone's like, eh, who cares? No eh, big deal. No biggie. NBD. Who's, who cares? So, so John, literally, the Brian Sims... Uh, he is a he has a public Twitter profile. He's been very prolific. He's tweeted six thousand seven hundred and five times. There's the problem right there. Very very aggressive, up to this point. And now as of today, oh, this account's tweets are protected. Only confirmed followers now have access to Brian Sims' tweets. Oh, okay. Go ahead and hide, buddy. But I don't think the the internet is forever, and your despicable actions are not going away. We will be talking about this and some other scary issues from Twitter on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be here in studio at Right to Life of Central California with John Girardi. Thank you. Thank you. And John, this is your last segment with us because you have a very big, important muckety muck meeting. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I do. I'm meeting. I'm going to meet uh, the new Roman Catholic Bishop of Fresno, Bishop Brennan. So yeah. Very uh, excited. I'm, I'm a, a tiny bit jealous. Um, I remember when I got to meet Bishop Ochoa the first time he came uh, several years ago. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, is he, is he, so just real quick side note, is he still hanging around or? Yeah, uh, Bishop Ochoa, I think he's, he's going to be, he's staying in the area. And uh, I think he'll continue to offer mass publicly and he'll so like, help out with conf- uh, confirmations. And Does he become like an auxiliary bishop at that point? Or yeah, a- he, so he's retired. So he's, he's the Bishop Emeritus oh, okay. of Fresno. So he doesn't have any authority or responsibilities or anything. He's just basically kind of hanging lives out. out, just lives like a priest and cool. And yeah, so I, I, it's a good it's a good gig being a retired bishop. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Um, I I love uh, everyone's uh, nice to you and no one expects anything from <laughs> you. So, yeah, <laughs> so it's a good gig. Yeah, kind of almost like being a grandpa, just yeah, like exactly. hey, there you go. Uh, so in the anyway, I, I'm excited about that, and it sounds like I look forward to future news because it sounds like Bishop Brennan is not, not that there's anything wrong with Bishop Ochoa, but Bishop Brennan seems to be even more. Um, Proactive and seems to be really solid on pro-life, pro-family issues. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, I think Bishop o- Bishop Ochoa came in. People don't remember this, but he came into the Diocese of Fresno suddenly after Bishop Steinbach died, and he was kind of transitional in a way. So uh, Bishop Brennan, I think, is going to be around a longer time given his age and everything. So anyway, we're very excited to to meet with him. Yeah, well, welcome, welcome, Bishop Brennan. Even though I am not Catholic, uh, <laughs> on behalf <laughs> of to Fresno, <laughs> on behalf of the evangelical community, welcome. We wish you a a great and long tenure. So yes, okay. So John, I wanted to read you a a highly controversial thread from for it. a guy on Twitter named Richard Blanchard, or excuse me, Ray, Ray Blanchard. Blanchard. Ray Blanchard. He is a researcher in sexual orientation, paraphilias, paraphilias, and gender identity disorders he is not just a random guy he is actually a phd as evidenced by his twitter handle blanchard phd uh let me read you 
um, what his background is. It says Ray Blanchard served on the Gender Dysphoria Working Group and chaired the Paraphilia Working Group for the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, or or something something, DSM five. Basically, he is a world expert in his field. He works not as a crack quackpot guy, but he he does research and is recognized by the American Psychological American Psychiatric Association. Okay. This is what he wrote uh, about a week ago. Earlier today, I wrote this thread in response to a follower who asked me, what is your actual position on transgender people? It looks like my reply had not been delivered to a single person besides the original inquirer, so I am reposting it here. My beliefs include the following six elements. Number one, transsexualism and milder forms of gender dysphoria are types of of mental disorder which may leave the individual with average or even above average functioning in unrelated areas of life. Okay. So number one, mm-hmm. it, this is what we would call again, an expert opinion an expert not, opinion, not just some random person shooting from the hip. Yes. So, so number one, he essentially is saying, yes, transsexualism, gender dysphoria is a mental disorder, but you may actually be fine in other areas of life, maybe even above average. Number two, sex change surgery is still the best treatment for carefully screened adult patients whose gender dysphoria has proven resistant to other forms of treatment. Now, so the guy is still in favor of sex change operations. Yes, which is remarkable. So he, he's he was he is in some ways very very much in the camp of those who are huge promoters of transgenderism and all these these different philosophies right just not enough right so, so let's continue number three sex change surgery should not be considered for any patient until that patient has reached the age of 21 years and has lived for at least two years in the desired gender role again um th- that seems to be at the very minimum a moderate position you and i think that um sex change surgery is not appropriate and we would we would oppose it in basically every case yeah but he at least has the position here of saying not until age 21 and at least two years living in a cross-sex gender role. Number four, gender dysphoria is not a sexual orientation, but is virtually always preceded or accompanied by an atypical sexual orientation. In males, either homosexuality, sexual arousal by members of one's own biological sex, or autogynephilia, sexual arousal at the thought or image of oneself as a female. Okay, so again, that is... Seems to be a cold clinical opinion, John. Not yes. a not a value judgment, certainly, but a a cold, uh, you know, emotionless opinion. Well, to talk about homosexuality as atypical, there's no yeah. such thing as yeah. atypical. All, yeah. So they they would object to that. Yes. But again, this isn't just some dude. This yes. is someone who's an expert in the field. All right. And then numbers five and six. Number five, there are two main types of gender dysphoria in males, one associated with homosexuality and one associated with autogynephilia. Traditionally, the great bulk of female to male transsexuals have been homosexual in erotic object choice. Again, a, a statement of pure fact, not an opinion, not a rendering a value judgment, just a statement of fact. And then finally, number six, the sex of a post-operative transsexual should be analogous to a legal fiction. This legal fiction would apply to some things, e.g. sex designation on a, a driver's license, but not to others, entering a sports competition as one's adopted sex. Ah, there it is. So he's he's opposed to having biological males competing in women's sports, and therefore he is a hater. He is full of hate so, so and f- must be banned by Twitter. So for that tweet, John, this, this cold, dispassionate, 
uh, article, which to me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it does not strike me as boo transgender people are bad boo yeah or even i mean he 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 doesn't even seem to be advocating something a position like that you and i would hold nope. which is that there is i i would say any kind of sex change operation unless you're talking about people whose physical organs are there's genuine confusion about what sex someone is there there are certain people who who are born with sort of uh questionable questionable hardware if you will yes uh and where certain kinds of surgical things are needed to either correct or just to make something clear um he's not talking about that he's genuinely in favor of certain in certain cases certain kinds of sex change operations in a way that i don't think you and i would be in favor no so this is not like some guy that we're like standing shoulder to shoulder with no but because he wasn't quite a cheerleader enough and expressed some reservation with some small aspect of transgender ideology, and I, I bet it was the sports thing. I would not be surprised. I bet that's what it was. And as a result, John, he was suspended by Twitter. He was banned. He was unilaterally, without question, banned. And the only reason, I'm fairly convinced, the only reason that he was able to actually become unbanned was because several high-profile conservatives took up his case and said, uh, you are, uh, you know, you are silencing a world-renowned expert in the field. And if you're going to get to the point where people stating biological facts and people stating widely regarded medical facts is hatred, what's what's next who are they going to come for next right right so essentially anyone who's to the right of uh, god anyway it's it's really bad so we will we will come back we will keep talking about this on today's episode of life family liberty Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, now in studio solo, because as we teased in the last segment, my intrepid co-host, John Girardi, has left to go and record, or not record, excuse me, to go meet with the bishop of the Diocese of Fresno. And happy to have him do that, and hope you guys have a great meeting. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the craziness that is here that we've seen from Twitter. The The real dangers that I think we're continuing to see is that Twitter is essentially becoming, yes, it is true, they're becoming a private, I mean, they are a private company. That, that is fair. They are owned by investors. They are not a not something like a town square, but they are more and more becoming like a digital town square for our current age. The fact that President Trump, for example, uses them so much to promote public discourse, and the fact that they are there is so much wide and broad discussion. A lot of people, I think, just assume that Twitter is like the web they assume that people can go up there they can post anything they want and if they have an account then there you go they can go and share whatever their thoughts are whatever their opinions are whatever their ideas are and 
anybody who wants to follow them can see it. But Twitter has started to crack down more in recent years and try to police speech that they do not like. Not just speech that is objectively bad, objectively terrible, not just speech that is directly inciting violence, but they are starting to now police speech that they just find objectionable. This is a perfect example of this. We, in the first two segments, we talked about Brian Sims and we talked about Ray Blanchard. In the case of Brian Sims, he is an elected representative. He has had the trust of the people of the state of Pennsylvania put into him to go and represent him in office and to be his, uh, for, for him to be their voice on these different issues. He openly says on his site, on his Twitter profile, notice I said his Twitter profile, he openly says that he is a uh, LGBTQ activist. He went and tried to dox, as we said, a group of pro-life people who were praying outside of an abortion clinic. He was aggressive. He was angry. He was intimidating. He was bullying. He berated them. It led to a huge pro-life counter response, a massive rally, a pro-life rally on the steps of this very abortion clinic. Uh, a few days later, just on Friday, there was a large gathering of men and women, uh, Lila Rose from Live Action, Abby Johnson from And Then There Were None, uh, Tina Whittington from Students for Life of America, a huge response from the pro-life community to say, we are here, we're not going to be silent, we're going to be respectful, we're going to be loving, but we're not going to allow a bully to silence us and intimidate us. I think that was a phenomenal response from the pro-life community. But what has Twitter's response been? Did they shut down Brian Sims' account for direct incitement to not violence, but at least to intimidation and to doxing? No, they did not shut down his account. Did they say, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to at least delete this tweet that you posted. We're going to delete this uh, video. No, they did not do that either. But at the same time, this very same company, as we said in the last segment, silenced and censored the account of a research psychologist who was talking about their concerns about the legal fiction of having a transgender individual play sports that was different from their biological sex. The, I mean, it, it's almost impossible to believe the way that uh, this has gone down. You have one person who is making a clinical dispassionate argument, as we said. I won't, I won't put all of you to sleep by reading it again. But Ray Blanchard's comments on his page, which is on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash Blanchard, B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D, Ph.D., because he is a Ph.D., he's a researcher. His comments... His six points that he made were clinical, they were dispassionate, they were very cut and dry. There was nothing, when he was asked, he said, people asked, what is your actual position? What is your actual position? So my beliefs include the following six elements. He said, these are my beliefs. And he gave a very, a very 
calm description. He did not go out and say that I think that you should dox transgender people. <laughs> he did not go out and say, I think that you need to uh, treat these people, uh, you know, shame them, tell they're not welcome in polite society. He didn't do that. Everything that Brian Sims did do, everything that this elected LGBT representative from Pennsylvania did, did not happen from Ray Blanchard. And the fact that Twitter moved so swiftly to suspend the account, it's been locked for violating Twitter rules. Let me read the exact notice from Twitter that he sent. He said, hi, Ray Blanchard, your account, Blanchard PhD, has been locked for violating Twitter rules specifically for violating our rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. So apparently, this one tweet from Ray Blanchard. This is the one that got him banned. This is the tweet they cited. My beliefs include the following six elements. They didn't get to the other elements. They just got to element one. One, transsexualism and milder forms of gender dysphoria are types of mental disorder. That one line. Transgender, transsexualism and milder forms of gender dysphoria are types of mental disorder. Well, guess what, folks? He's not wrong. According to the official American Psychological Association, the, the DSM-5, and I've started to learn more what DSM is, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5. That is not something that conservatives put up together. It's not some hate document that is on a conservative website. That is the, let, let me read you from psychiatry.org what it says the the definition is. It says the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM-5, is the product of more than 10 years of effort by hundreds of international experts in all aspects of mental health. Their dedication and hard work have yielded an authoritative volume that defines and classifies mental disorders in order to improve diagnoses, treatment, and research. That is not something that I made up. That is not something from a random pro-life, pro-family, anti-LGBT website that is from the American Psychiatric Association it, I, I mean this is the most widely respected clinical thing that you can come up with basically in the world today on these issues and by quoting from the DSM-5 this individual was banned by Twitter uh, it, it's almost unbelievable that this would be happening, but unfortunately, I think we're going to start seeing this happen more and more. When we come back in today's final segment, I'll have some closing thoughts on this and ways that we can hopefully respond on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. family liberty final segment of today's show i'm your host jonathan keller happy to be with you today wanted to continue our discussion about twitter totalitarianism uh the reason that i think that word is so apt unfortunately is because of how twitter is responding to 
dissent on its platform, but not all dissent, mind you, just certain types of dissent. Uh, in some cases, Twitter is fine to have people engage in highly suspect and even dangerous behavior. In the case of Brian Sims, the individual man who was uh, basically engaged in uh, attacking pro-life people. Raphael, did we figure out, could we try playing uh, some of this video or is it probably a little too... Uh, can, yeah, we'll see if we can uh, we'll see if we can find it here. But if it doesn't if it doesn't work, um, I, I I basically I want to read you a little bit of this article here from Philly Voice. This is uh, posted just a couple of days ago. This was I think actually posted on Friday after the large pro life rally. It says. Hundreds of anti-abortion protesters rally outside Planned Parenthood in Center City. The event, prompted by videos posted by State Rep. Brian Sims, was billed as a protest against bullying and abortion. Ashley Gorecht returned to Center City from near the suburbs on Friday morning, but the scene outside Planned Parenthood's Elizabeth Blackwell Health Center was substantially different from her last visit. On the Thursday before Easter, Gorecht, her two teenage daughters, and one of their friends were near 12th and Locust Street. She said they were there to pray in their pro-life beliefs when a man they didn't recognize approached using a phone as a camera. At first, she thought little of it, but it soon became a, quote, very intense experience. He was asking for the girls' IDs and their addresses. It was horribly inappropriate, Gorecht said. Side note, yes, Absolutely. Just, I mean, folks, just set this in any other context. If you have teenage girls that are doing anything in public, much less peacefully praying on a public sidewalk, and an adult male with a camera approaches them and says, I want your ID and your address. He doesn't have a badge. He's not a police officer. There's not a safety situation. You have any adult male approach minor teenage girls and ask them for their address and for their ID? I mean, that would earn, in most situations, a call from the police. It was horribly inappropriate, Greg said. I had no idea who he was, when, and when I found out this past Monday, I, it made it all the more shocking. The man was state rep Brian Sims, who was streaming live on the Periscope app while all this was happening. When Sim's footage and subsequent explanation and measured apology went viral this week, fervent reaction to it drew hundreds to Locust Street on Friday, where Gorecht shared that story. Billed as a rally against bullying to protest abortion and Sim's treatment of pro-life individuals, a mass of pro-life supporters from near and far flooded the streets, leaving the half block between 12th and Sartain Streets practically impassable by foot. Philadelphia police had blocked off Locust Street to vehicular traffic. A news helicopter hovered overhead, and no counter-protest was seen. Planned Parenthood escorts worked tirelessly to keep the sidewalk clear in front of the entrance, despite event speakers setting up shop not too far away. 
The crowd, which would number around 1,000, though police didn't release an estimate, started gathering well before the scheduled 11 a.m. start time. Though Sims issued a statement on Tuesday saying in part, quote, I know that two wrongs don't make a right, especially when I'm on the front lines of the civil rights battle, unquote. The event featured the energy of a group galvanizing around a divisive decades-old issue given new life by Sims video and legislation aimed at strictly limiting access to abortion. There was a Pray for Brian sign posted at, on the neighborhood building and a truck parked nearby with a flashing ad for relevant radio, talk radio for the Catholic life. Protesters held up signs that read, pray to end abortion, face it, abortion kills, abortion is the American Holocaust, and among others, oh, yeah, this one I totally disagree with, quote, wish Brian Sims' mother had aborted him, uh, 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 had aborted him. Side note, the first ones, uh, yeah, I agree, pray to end abortion, 100% thumbs up, face it, abortion kills, 100% thumbs up, aborticide is the American Holocaust, well, uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, it kind of is. When you look at the sheer number of children that have died as a result of abortion, it dwarfs other similar genocides around the world. Now, I, I, I think that that is maybe a little bit more inflammatory than most of those other signs. But I will say unequivocally reject, wish Brian Sims' mother had aborted him. No, no. No individual human being should be aborted human beings are made in the image of god every human being is a uh, gift and even people that we vehemently disagree with nobody should ever be aborted and i i frankly have to say it's really disappointing and frankly despicable that any individual that calls themselves pro-life would have a sign like that i would even go so far as to say I would not be surprised if that sign was actually a plant. Uh, someone who is a pro-choice advocate got there and put that sign up as a way to try to discredit the pro-lifers because I I'll be honest with you, no pro-lifer that I know, not a single pro-life person, and I have met thousands of pro-life people across the country over the last 20 years. No pro-life individual that I know would make a sign like that or would hold a sign like that. So just side note. So, I, uh, I I just want to point out, uh, I want to point out, I'm going to see if I can play you a little bit of this video here. Uh, Raphael, I'm going to see, we'll see if this audio here works. Let's see here. Mm, yes. May not, it may not work. Oh, that's all right. Okay. So, I'm going to just actually, I think, put my microphone down here next to the uh, next to it. So you can just hear just a little bit. It's a short clip. It's only about 50 seconds. But I just want you to hear basically what Brian Sims was saying to these women. They have to deal with people. Here we go. Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania. They have to deal with people like this every single day. They deal with people out here every single day telling others what's right for their bodies. But we're not going to let them get away with it. Absolutely not. No, ma'am. Don't, don't hide. Don't hide. You're publicly protesting women coming to a Planned Parenthood. It's something they have a right to do. Don't hide from it. Don't hide from it. Have the courage of your broken convictions if this is what you're going to do. Everyone, this is what they deserve and this is what they need. Every single time any of us walk by something like this, we're letting them win. We're letting them think that they are right and we know better. 
these people have no business telling anybody else what's right for their body. They have no business telling people of color what they think about what they do with their families, with their own family planning. This is disgusting. This isn't Christianity. This isn't love. This isn't support. This isn't kindness. This is the hiding, shameful face of those that judge at Planned Parenthood. And it's disgusting. All right. So again, that was an angry, unhinged, elected representative, Brian Sims. And you couldn't see the video, obviously, but I encourage you go online, go to go to the Students for Life YouTube page and just search for uh, pro-abortion politician Brian Sims harasses pro-life woman. In this situation, you have Brian Sims, who has got his camera out. He's recording on Periscope. And he walks up to a middle-aged woman who is praying in front of the clinic. And he basically tries to shame her. He gets the camera right in her face. He yells at her. He says, this is what you deserve. You know, we, you know, we can't let these people win. Okay, all of that, <laughs> all of that... Uh, is just insane the the fact that if the reverse had happened if you set this exact same story back five years ago if you had any pro-life individual had gone out to a clinic and had started recording them and asking for their id and posted it online and i should say not just a pro-life individual but if it had been a pro-life elected representative that individual would have been denounced by the National Republican Party. That individual would have been uh, denounced probably by President Obama. There would have been, you know, a summit with the girls who were harassed at the White House with President Obama. And guess what? That probably should happen. Nobody should be bullied or harassed for peacefully, respectfully advocating their beliefs on a public sidewalk. But that's exactly what happened in this case. This elected representative went and attacked private individuals. And again, I, I just want to say his Twitter account, his personal Twitter account is still active. Brian Sims PA, that account is still active. His professional Twitter account, which is uh, Rep Sims on Twitter, that account is still active. All of this, all of these uh, accounts are still active. He has not been banned. He has not been uh, censored by Twitter. He is allowed to continue to spew the hateful actions that he has. And I think that we're going to get to a situation where conservatives are going to have to ask themselves, how do we fight back against this type of discussion and ideology? How do we push back and how do we how do we form a new platform to allow people to not be attacked and not be silenced by big social media companies like Twitter? Folks, that is all the time we have for today's episode. We will have more discussion in the weeks to come. I will be in Washington, D.C. the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to hopefully doing some live videos from you. And I look forward to joining you again on a future episode. But for now, this is Jonathan Keller. God bless, and we'll see you on a future episode of Life, Family, Liberty.